stress. Jax is gonna start drinking water on the podcast again. <laughs> but he's already eaten, so maybe we've avoided that. There's a reason why I take you on walks before we do these things. You're supposed to nap Jax it off. Bloom. You bastard. Jax the bastard Bloom. Welcome to the Nightmare Box. Presenting Mistakes Were Made. My name is Brett Bloom. I sit across from the beautiful, the effervescent, the still slightly sweaty from the shower due to our poor luck with the water heater, Kristen Pennington. <laughs> no, I haven't had a shower. You have. This is, uh, as Jack slurps on top of I'm me. sweaty from the gym. I'm <laughs> this is a record-breaking moment in the history of our podcast. This may be the one and only episode I am not wearing my pajamas in. <laughs> but first, <So>. coffee. <laughs> so... <laughs> Write this moment down in history. Yeah. I am wearing real people clothes today. I am shriveled because the water heater was still not working. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Our hot water went out between the time that we both went to the gym and got back from the gym. So uh, Brett got to take a very, very cold shower and I am waiting on the hot water to <laughs> kick back in because the maintenance yeah. man just left. Our normal routine got more or less thrown off by that little predicament so there are very little in the way of show notes it's a little later in the afternoon um so i'm done i did a good job i didn't lose my temper you didn't i didn't throw anything just like me not losing my temper <laughs> i walked over there i looked at the water heater like that was gonna fix the problem <laughs> well, and i flipped the little switch like three times and i was you. like still no hot water you wanted to open the panel, to your credit, and take a look at it, but I didn't want you to die of electric shock. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> that dude did not wear any gloves. Well, he may have, it said to turn the power off. He may have, I don't know how that works. Yeah, he probably cut the power. Yeah, <laughs> and then <laughs> fiddled with it. Fiddled. I'm not a real man. Oh, <laughs> that's not true. It is true. That is not this true. This dude walked in here, he looked at me like I was a little bitch, and then he fixed the uh, water heater. That's what he does for a living. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> he walks in, he's like, oh. A psychology degree going for you now, Mr. Smarty Arty. <laughs> Walk over here and fix your life because your I think dad wasn't around enough as a kid. Because <laughs> we had two different guys come the day that um, our water heater was just leaking all over creation, which turned out it wasn't us leaking at all. It was the upstairs. That thing shits out and does something crazy like every three months. Yeah, it, <laughs> you have notoriously bad luck with everything. But it was actually the last time that was. I think the episode where the maintenance man interrupted us, our upstairs neighbor's uh, water heater was leaking into our walls and into our apartment, and he was one of the guys that came, so yeah. he uh, I think he's familiar. probably just walked in and was like, you guys again. It's God like the damn. goddamn haunted apartment. <laughs> Why did Barbara Murphy have to shoot herself in that guest room back in 1983? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, or maybe hilarious if he's like a weathered old maintenance guy. Like <laughs> this is like his uh, apartment. What's that fucking movie? Hotel uh, room forty one. Oh, uh, I know what you're talking yeah. about, but I'm not sure. This is like that for him. It's like that's the one. Baba was such a sweet, sweet old lady. And she probably did that. Uh, she blew her head off with a forty four in the bathroom. No, she probably did that whole thing that uh, I was having a conversation with you about that one day. Like how long would it take to drown yourself in the bathroom <laughs> if you were uh, this was a, a thought that was running through my head one day while I was taking a shower I told Brett after I got out 
that uh, we were incredibly lucky that he constantly just left the windows open because I was like, I was having a whole thought process about how <laughs> I uh, could stand in the bathroom, not lay down in the tub, turn on the water, and how long it would take to drown myself. <laughs> and uh, I know that's a weird thought to have, but it was a thought I was having. I was like, I wonder how much water it would take because it would leak through the door. You came out so excited, too. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I just needed to tell you that uh, you're... Uh, Saving our lives from ever drowning in our apartment because the windows are open. And I was like, you know, well, first the bathroom or the bathtub would have to flood and then it would leak into the floor and then it would leak out the door and into the apartment. So the whole rest of the apartment would have to flood too. And then I was like, oh, but damn, wait, the windows are open. (laughs) We'd have to flood the whole world. This is going to take days. uh, Maybe that's what she did. And that's why you have hot water problems because she figured out how to flood the apartment. God damn. <laughs> the haunted. That's mm-hmm. also the door where we've talked about where the stain was on. So mm, Yeah, that's a, true. It's a haunted water here. It looks ominous when you just leave the hallway light on. You're like, what the fuck? <laughs> it also, um, I don't know if there's a air vent located around there somewhere, but if you open the door to the water heater and then like go to close it and let it close itself instead of like pushing it, it'll slam shut. Yeah, it's haunted. I think so. there's a body in there. Or maybe. Like there was that body in that... Uh, in that tank? In that, that t- hotel. In that tank in the hotel that Richard Ramirez used to live in. And then, like, there's like, been the... Was that the... It's the same hotel. Oh, I didn't it's know where that. Richard Ramirez used to stay on Skid Row. video of her, like, in the elevator? That's what I was getting ready to oh, Like, sorry. she's, like, freaking out and... Nobody knows what she was running from. And then it's like, did she get killed? Was she possessed? Was she, was she just on, on meth? <laughs> Yeah, people were drinking their water, and, like, the water tastes funny, and the shower smells funny, and it's, like, for days. People were drinking her rotting body. In the California fucking water tank on the roof. Like, that shit was decomposing. But wasn't there, like, a whole thing where they said it was, like, virtually impossible for her to have put herself in the tank? Yeah, they don't know, to my knowledge, and I haven't looked into it again. In a while, In about six months, but... No, they. Uh, I know they've shut the hotel down now. Finally. Oh really? Or they've at least renamed it, and it's under new management. Mm-hmm. So it's still got the side wall um, that has the original name because that was painted into the bricks, and it's like a staple of Skid Row. But they've changed the official name of the the hotel. I don't know if that helps or hurts your reputation. You're like, well, we're not the same building where that lady died. And everybody else is like, no, this building is fucked up. Richard Ramirez stayed here. That bitch died there. People have jumped out the windows here. People have been murdered in your lobby. <laughs> See, I need an end for this kind of stuff. Like, to do documentaries about these weird things where it's well, like, Well, I think we just happened? go to Skid Row and join the line of young college kids. <laughs> I mean, that would be like, if you could actually... Like, if we had some kind of credentials where it could be like, oh, like, I'm here doing a story, like, I, I want to go in, and they would actually let you in, that would be really cool. Yeah, I want to do a story, I'll pay for a room, I'll stay here overnight and get stabbed by a heroin addict, <laughs> have all my camera equipment stolen. I thought it was a nice hotel for some reason. No. <laughs> it's on Skid Row. Skid Row is basically a street filled with homeless people and drug addicts. That's weird. For some reason, I was thinking it was a nice hotel. Mm-mm. It was a place for uh, Richard Ramirez to smoke crack cocaine and kill people from. <laughs> Did you pack up your serial killer game? Is that packed already? Uh, that was on the book Yeah, if it's not over there, then it's... Because I, I was thinking about that, like, after you had already packed everything up. I was like, I bet I would be better at that game now. <laughs> You'd be a shitload better at it. I've got a board game. Uh, I, is it just called the Serial Killer Trivia Game? Uh, I want to say it's... Something like something that, yeah. Like, 
basic as shit. You'd be able to Google it and look it up pretty fast. But the board is laid out like a pentagram, and then you've got these little cardboard placards that sit on plastic thingies that uh, you move around the board like you're playing Candyman. Uh, is it Candyland? Candyland. Candyman is a, <laughs> is a person. It's a horror film. And uh, <laughs> uh, you got to hop around, like roll the dice, and jump through neighborhoods and kill victims and dump their bodies, and the whole time you're answering. Uh, trivia questions about serial murder and it's one of my favorite games that I've ever owned. And I'm really bad at it. <laughs> yeah. I don't play board games. I don't play shoots and ladders. I don't own Battleship. I own the serial killer game and two chess boards. <laughs> that's it. Got a game of exploding kittens. <laughs> I need to get the, the one that's the offensive card game. Uh, um, cards Against Humanity. Yeah, I've played which I feel like we should buy that one. There's a game well, the from problem the... with Cards Against Humanity is like you need three or four people. And yeah. I never have three or four people. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those things you bust out for the holidays yeah. when people are over. But no, um, Taryn, uh, my sister. Uh, hi, Taryn. Um, hey, Taryn! <laughs> owns... Hope Best Buy's going good. <laughs> they got robbed. I told you that, right? They got robbed. Like Somebody... she got robbed? No, like the Best Buy that she works at. Like in the fucking big ass shopping center there like somebody broke in and like stole a bunch of shit that, yeah. that's ballsy like yeah. that was planned out i think i read something about that on the news the other day my first thought was that's definitely somebody taryn knows <laughs> i mean they were in and out like yeah she said like seconds. within three minutes yeah. they were gone like and they knew what they were there for mm-hmm. like they got a lot of money's worth of stuff and left so that was either someone who had cased that place extensively or somebody in the job. I'm not a police officer. <laughs> but, um, yeah, they uh, own a board game called Joking Hazard, which is by the people that do Happiness and Cyanide. Yeah. I mean, it's significantly more offensive and funny than yeah, that's uh, one Cards Against like, Humanity. That's make your own little comics, right? Yeah, but it's very similar to the concept of Cards Against Humanity, but this one has pictures on it, so you get the little, like, characters that are in, you know, their comic We need series. to buy that. It's really funny yeah. and very offensive. It's like the idea of Cards Against Humanity, like the reason why you need a lot of people is because you can judge who made the funnier joke. Mm-hmm. Me and you and making comics on the table sounds hilarious. See how much fun we had with those note cards yeah, writing that story. kind of how this one works, except like I think, if I'm not mistaken, it's been a while since I've played it, like the person that's laying down the cards like yeah. lays down the beginning card and the end card and then everybody else has to like sub- yeah, submit there. an option for the middle that card and fun. you still vote for the funniest yeah. but it's hilarious <laughs> like cards against humanity is pretty offensive but this is 10 times worse yeah. fucking akuna bought me that uh happiness and cyanide book and mm-hmm. that shit had me pissing my pants so. <laughs> i follow their facebook page and they put up little short films all the yeah. time on their facebook page and they're so good i told you that one about the mushroom cloud right you know what it reminds me of is like did you ever read mad magazine or watch mad tv mm-hmm. read the spy versus spy comic it reminds me of like our generation spy v spy. It's the spies and every there was black spy, white spy. They looked exactly the same. Just one was all black and one was all white, and uh, they would try to kill each other in every episode. So like, they'd put bombs in different places, or they'd like try to stab them, and then whoever was the aggressor it would always get flipped, and there'd be like this big master plan for black spy <laughs> if white spy was trying to kill him, and vice versa. <laughs> Uh, 
they would get pretty extreme. <laughs> Again, differences in personality. I do like happiness and cyanide. I think those are super funny. But um, you own that book, and I own the Awkward Yeti book, which is a very wholesome little comic book about like the heart and the brain and all the inner workings of the body. I think you tried to show me that. It's once. super cute yeah. and super wholesome. So uh, personality differences. Brett owns a chop your head off comic book and I'm like uh, oh let's follow our heart I own two serial killer encyclopedias <laughs> encyclopedias all of them from A to Z twice I do like the serial killer game though that is pretty fun I'd like to like after we get done moving yeah. and unpacking like revisit it and see if I'm any better at it because I'm always really bad at it I'm like <laughs> how do you know all these things it's like this is what I've dedicated my life to okay I thought I was going to be an FBI agent. Now I hate the government. I, all, like, all I've accomplished is filling my head with some of the darkest shit that anybody could ever fucking study. And I've been doing it since I was like 15. So i got 13 years of just reading these fucked up books. I'm terrified of when Rabbit Howls, though. Like, I have not picked that up so really? far this week like I've not made it through the introduction just the fucking the concept is just very emotionally heavy I don't know that I could read that that's the one thing that bothers me is like the pedophilia and shit like that mm-hmm. like I can justify in my head almost everything else like not that I would personally do it or that but you I'm can saying that you understand it to some extent like if you, for example, you rob a gas station because you can't feed your baby some shit goes haywire and you shoot the guy on the other side of the counter I'm not saying you're innocent, you shouldn't go to jail, but I could definitely put myself in that position. If you're in the position where you're raping a two-year-old... Yeah, and see, I think, like, that is part of what's so disturbing about it, which... Don't pick up your pitchforks, people. I'm not saying pedophilia is acceptable ever. It's a horrible... Uh, We're definitely not going there. We're having an organic conversation. (laughs) This is not on the show notes. (laughs) Yeah, no. Don't don't pick up your pitchforks. I'm not justifying pedophilia in any form. It's horrible no matter what. It's a... One of the worst. Rape period is one of the worst You know how fast I would break up with you on the air if you were like... Now, let me make this clear. I am a 100% for pedophilia. No, God. Like, right period, I think, is one of the worst things you can do to someone else. But, um... It's weird that we have to clarify. I'm not pro-child fucking. Well, like, to me, it's, like, more disturbing. Because, like, I work in a hospital. Yeah. We've talked about that before. And there's a two-year-old girl that I'm repeatedly she is with. adorable. And, like, I can't, in my mind, on any level, like, wrap my head around the concept of sexualizing a kid that young when they're still a toddler like learning to walk learning to talk i don't get how you look at that kid and think sexual thoughts of any nature like if we were talking a 16 year old girl or even maybe a 12 13 year old girl because that's when little girls are like starting to kind of develop into women like maybe i could be like okay like maybe that's pretty fucked up but i could get where you kind of go that way raped at like the age of 13 so you're stuck in that mindset but even if you were raped at the age of two i don't get how you then turn around and look at a two-year-old and see that as a sexual child (laughs) disgusting like i don't know it's the sickest shit ever It, it pisses me off and until we come up with a cure for their mental disease i say we put a bullet in the back of their head but yeah, I don't think I could read that book though, because like. But that's said. that's the stem of it. Is you know, uh, I'm not telling you anything you're not going to find out in the introduction to the book crowd. So don't go. You haven't even read it. past it. Um, but basically, what happened is she was raped at the age of two. 
her personality died um, and was replaced by two other personalities, but she's still two years old and she's getting raped on like a nightly basis for the next 16 years. That's terrible. Until she's old enough to get out of that house. And so when those two memories or those two personalities get killed, like one of them might survive and then the second one is replaced. So it's compounded every single fucking time. So she winds up with 92 full-fledged survivors living inside of her brain. Now, I know that you said up until she started seeing her psychiatrist, she didn't know she had these other personalities. Yeah. Did she remember that she had been raped as a child, no. or had she suppressed that too? She, it was all suppressed. It was all buried by this thing that she refers to as the troop, which is these you know, 90-some-odd personalities. It's so sad. And there's the knowledge that some of them died along the way. So, like, there were probably hundreds of these things at one point, and then 92 became, like, her way of making it through the world. But she was complaining, you know, she was a real estate um, person. She had her own real estate company. And um, she was complaining about these blackouts and then sat down and talked with the shrink. And the shrink was like, well, sometimes you come in and you think you're a 12-year-old girl. And sometimes you come in and, you know, you don't remember being here last week when you were a 12-year-old girl because now you're some dude named Simon. I think the thing that's impressive about that, though, is like, I mean, you haven't read the book, so I don't really no, know 1985, anything. 1985, yeah. Yeah, I don't really know anything about the lady, but that... Me, me either, yeah. I'm just the concept is fucking yeah. up for about a week. But the idea, because you said at the publication of this book, she was for sure still alive. We haven't looked her up to see if this lady is still she alive now. She was like now. 50, yeah. Yeah, but um, the idea that on some level all of these personalities... We're still like, I guess their like internal goal is still preservation. Like, any one of them could have snapped and been like, "I'm done with this," and like taken her out because yeah. she's totally blanking out when this happens and just thinks she's losing chunks of her life to a blackout. And like, her physical body is up walking around doing shit. And like, whatever personality was in charge for the day was still like, "No, I'm gonna take care of her, and we're gonna get yeah. home today, and, and it'll it, be all right." It could happen by an hour by hour basis. Yeah. It's like, this is who I am after lunch. This is who I am when I get home at night. This is how I am when I have sex with my husband. This yeah. is, you know. But that none of the personalities was, like, trying to harm her. Like, they the, were all trying to protect her on the, some level. The way that it's been explained thus far was that there was an overarching personality that was, quote-unquote, her. Mm -hmm. But the her that was more present acknowledges that there's a two-year-old that is asleep in the next room almost where it's like look we're all just kind of here looking after this little girl don't wake the baby don't wake the baby so it's like is the baby dead is the baby alive is there a way and i've not read the book far enough i know because it gets mentioned in the introduction that there is one personality who has had a kind of a i guess you'd call it like a run-in with the original self and it was almost as if they were sleeping like it was very babyish but you're talking about one part of your brain talking to another part of your brain about a trauma that a two-year-old wouldn't be able to even kind of yeah comprehend you know 
and it only happened on one occasion and to one of the 90 some odd fucking personalities. That is, no, it's tragic, it's heartbreaking, and I've, I I looked at my coroner book today, and I said, I'd much rather be reading my coroner book. (laughs) I'm like, the human brain is super fascinating, though. That's why I love psychological horror, because like one bump in the head, you know, you could be the president, or you could be like John Wayne Gacy. Yeah. (laughs) One tiny alter not altercation alteration but even with like her that wasn't a I mean I'm assuming he wasn't beating the living shit out of her head every day I guess there could be physical trauma there too but he wasn't it's the sickest shit was her mother was physically abusive so when she wasn't being raped by her stepfather she was being beaten by her mother but I mean like as far as like brain like brain literal injury. brain trauma yeah. she wasn't as far as i know physically injured in that way but uh it's just fascinating how the human brain works that like it can on its own like make an effort to protect you it's like, designed gonna, to keep your body alive yeah it's, i would be interested in talking to her if she was still alive I don't think she is because she was 50 in the 80s and I think we looked her up Mm. and she died in like 2011. I think we did. I'd have to look. I think we've looked her up twice now. In general, someone who's... (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) That's a depressing topic. Why are we so dark lately? (laughs) I don't know. It's the nightmare box and I'm trying to write a fucking story for Writer's Digest and I'm reading some of the darkest shit. That's why I I read two books on Hunter Thompson because I was like, I'm doing deep dives. I know how I work. I read all of um, The Anatomy of Evil and all of The New Evil and then I'm like, I'm going to read biographies about my favorite writer and they're going to be crazy intense, but whatever and then I'm going to read When the Rabbit House and as a palate cleanser I'm going to read a book a memoir by a dude who was a coroner for 30 <laughs> years yeah, I will not be reading that book in particular at least you will have to just tell me about that one because I don't think I can stomach that I don't know if I can stomach it like it's been so long since I found a book where I, I'm 12 pages in and I'm like fuck because you know the rate that I read mm-hmm. I can sit down and bang out 50 pages in an hour you know mm-hmm. and just sit there fly through it I'll finish a book a week this one's just I'm like I, it makes me sad <laughs> like it's very well like the introduction which was written by a person with a doctorate who does not have fucking you know multiple personality disorder the introduction is brilliantly done I'm sure the rest of the book is brilliantly done. It's a New York Times bestseller, so it's sold a shitload of copies. A lot of people have read it, but... Like, fuck. That's heavy. When was the last book that, like, actually rattled you? Like, do you remember what it was? Huh. I know you said it kind of fucked with you a bit, but do you think that was the last time a book rattled you? Well, it fucked with me... Not in a scary way. Like the message of it. Like or Pet Cemetery. Was it Pet Cemetery? Pet Cemetery yeah, fucked Pet Cemetery. me up. Sorry. Pet Cemetery might be the last one. And Pet Cemetery is the silliest because I knew exactly what was going to happen. Because I've, I've been in love with that movie since I was a kid. And uh, so I knew exactly how it was all going to play out. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I finished reading that at like 3 a.m. 
in the ghetto and you've got no public bathroom to go to so you got to piss in the woods right after reading pet cemetery <laughs> where all the dead things come out of the woods i took a leak i held my dick in my left hand and my pistol in my right <laughs> hand and i was like i pray to god nobody walks around the corner right now because i'm gonna drop bodies <laughs> <laughs> is that the first time you ever read it yeah, I, I didn't realize you were that old when you read it. Yeah, I, I watched Pet Cemetery when I was a kid. I had the flu, and it was on AMC, and um, that, I will never forget that scene where the grandpa gets his goddamn Achilles tendon mm-hmm. cut. That, that that scene has stuck with me for my entire life, and it always makes me flinch. And then uh, I watched it. I watched that a bunch. Um, in between and then I finally got around to reading the book and I, I, I couldn't put it down I think I finished it in like three days I was <laughs> fucking in love with Pet Cemetery, and then uh, that fucked me up and then we went to the movie theater and watched the remake and that kind of fucked me up so <laughs> it's, I stand by it one of my favorite stories mm-hmm. you know, ever told I don't I mean I don't read a <coughs> whole ton of like super dark horror films like I was super into uh and that's that's gonna sound so silly I was super into uh like goosebumps and stuff when I was a kid so I liked like that level of like scary (laughs) like books but I don't think I've ever read anything that's like super super dark so I don't there's a guy in one of my writing groups who has made it his goal to like read all of the R.L. Stein books and he'll just randomly pop up on the um on the Facebook page and he'll have a picture of like one page where like the chapter ends and then a picture of the next page where the next chapter begins and he's like nobody ever checked R.L. Stein for like continuity like this dude would end a chapter in one part of town open the next chapter in the other part of town and not explain how the fuck they got away from the green slimy lizard I would like be... the lizard ran around the room. So there I was eating dinner with my father. <laughs> <laughs> I would be curious to read them as an adult because I loved them as a kid. Mm-hmm. And like there was one, and I can't remember what it's called or anything, but there was like one in particular that like stuck with me. And I remember being like kind of creeped out by it as a kid where um, there's this town where this boy died and um every year it's either on his birthday or on the celebration of his death day all the kids have to go into the woods and play hide and seek and i i can't remember i guess something bad happens if they don't celebrate his birthday like they're required to do this and um if you get tagged like i think the point is he tags one kid every year if you get tagged like you're dead (laughs) and there's like this description of like the stink because he's like a skeleton like, there's this description of the stink of his breath. That's how you know he's, like, near you. You can smell him before you see him. And I remember that, like, freaked me out so bad as a kid. Like, this weird dead skeleton ghost boy with really bad breath, like, about to kill you. And you're just a kid. Like, oh, God, please don't find me. No, the one that fucked me up when I was a kid, I, it's not an R.L. Stein. I, I'm trying to think, and I, I think I'm more familiar with the, the show that was on was it Nickelodeon or Disney Channel than I am with um, the books, but mm-hmm. the one that fucked me up in like middle school, definitely middle school, because we, we were still doing that like pizza for books thing, and I was like champion of pizza for books, because <laughs> I don't know if you've noticed, but it's kind of my thing. And, <laughs> uh, the one that fucked me up was a book by Robert Cormier, 
I've never read anything else besides this one book, and I can't tell you the title right now, but uh, the basis for it. I remember the terrorist's name. Terrorist's name was Milo. Milo is, uh, they're like Armenian or Lebanese, but they're a terror cell, so there's like three or four of them that uh, hijack a school bus filled with elementary school children. They park it on a bridge and they have this uh, hostage situation with the police where they're demanding ransom in exchange for the children. And I remember two scenes from that entire book. The first one is the description from the female bus driver's perspective uh, when she pisses herself, when Milo puts a gun to her head. Aww. Yeah, because they didn't have so much as a bucket, so she pisses herself and then he arranges to have a bucket brought on so the kids can then go to the bathroom. I mean, that's kind of thoughtful of him yeah. being a terrorist. This is a young adult book, by the way. You can go find this, and it's, like, written for people in middle school who are just broken. <laughs> but he holds a gun to her head, she pisses herself, and she describes, like, the the stickiness of the pants. Like, it was a very vivid description of having a wet crotch. Like, that never left me. And then the second one was they... Um, in order to keep the children under control, they uh, put dope in lollipops and hand out the lollipops. I can't remember if it was like heroin or if it was morphine or what. But uh, one of the kids in the bus overdoses and turns blue and dies in the bus. Jesus. And there's no air conditioning in the bus and they can't roll down the windows because they're trying not to get shot by the cops. So like this uh. kid's like basically just baking shit himself and baking in a hot bus ah. on a bridge and like those two that's things that's crazy yeah Jesus I read that Christ. in like the 6th or 7th grade and it was like I, I would read it and I'd be like god damn it like who the fuck would do this shit's making sense now but I, I'm gonna buy that Robert Corbier book I'll tell you guys all about it read it over as a 28 year old it's not nearly that extreme that's way worse but I read a book when I was in probably middle school also I wanna say if I'm not mistaken it was called The Third Eye I have no idea who the author was but I feel like that's what it was called and um it was like this teenage girl that I think like her job you know on the side while she's going to school was like as a babysitter so she was like always like yeah. you know taking care of other people's kids like babysitting other people's kids and she like realizes at some point in the story she sees visions and um it's like always stuff that's like shortly about to happen like she has these little premonitions of things that are happening soon yeah. and um she stumbles across somehow this like ring of people that are i guess like trafficking children they're like kidnapping all these little kids and you know selling them or whatever Damn. and she tries to put a stop to it and then there's like a cop that she's like friends with in the book too i think if i'm remembering right that's like trying to help her and she goes to this place by herself and that's like the only part of the book i really specifically remember is they tie her up and leave her there and she's like bound and like gagged on the kitchen floor like can't get up can't do anything to get help and she knows like they're gonna like kidnap all these kids here shortly so she like manages to pull a dish towel i think onto the oven and like somehow manages because she's like on her back on the floor like manages to kick the eye on to set the building on fire Holy so that hopefully somebody yeah. will come find her before she burns to death because she's like we gotta save these kids and she's like passing out as the room's filling with smoke because the towel is caught on fire that's awesome. yeah that was like a book i read as a kid like she's like bound and gagged on the floor like please don't let me burn alive somebody come find me that's fucking cool as shit <laughs> 
I think it was called The Third Eye, if I'm remembering right. But yeah, that was what a time to be alive as a kid. Like, before <laughs> like the now. The types of books you read yeah, back the then. The type of books you could read, like, in the early 2000s mm. that were all, like, written for kids who grew up in the 80s, and they were just some of the most fucked up books you could possibly <laughs> I think read. yours are worse than mine, but, yeah, I read I some. Read a, that I was I like, read a vampire series that, uh, of one of my buddies who I, I, I keep in touch with on from time to time on Facebook, Alex. He... Um, he turned me on to this. Uh, was like, it a Twilight? No, I'm just kidding. I'm teasing. No, Twilight. No. <laughs> it was a vampire, but like she like kicked ass. She was kind of like a Buffy, but she was the vampire, and mm-hmm. she like went around fixing all the world's problems. Um, but there would be like these very vivid, like sexual descriptions that were in them, and I think that's why he was reading them. I know what you're on, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, Busted. But there was a scene in one of them where she got raped, mm. and like I, I, I remember that scene. I don't remember any of the other like three or four books I read from the series, but I remember there was a description of her being raped, and I like had to like close the book and be like, "Did I get this in a middle school library? <laughs> what the fuck am I reading right oh, now?" Man. You could get away with some wild shit. I guarantee you if we went down to my middle school right now, we could find zero of these books. They have palate cleansed that entire aisle for, like, that's going to offend somebody or that might trigger somebody. And people, like, wanted to ban Harry Potter from being yeah. in schools, and those are not... It's witchcraft. It's against God. That was that's not that funny. long ago. That's, that's super funny. Yeah, I, like, I... I need to get better about that. Whenever we move, I may look at getting like a library card or something for the new place. But Fuck yeah, that. I used to read a ton whenever I was in yeah. like school I'm and like going to Barnes and Noble on a bi-weekly basis, <laughs> buying three books at a time, and going to <laughs> have our own town. library. Well, I mean, there are some books like I like reading. I really enjoy reading. But there are some books you read, and it's like that'll be the only time I ever read it. Like I'm glad I read it, but that's not a book you buy. Like there's some movies you just yeah. watch and you don't buy. So it'd be nice just to have like. Well, I think about it differently. Like I, 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 I use my books as bragging rights. Like little trophies. Yeah, like I read you. Like you're up there now. Like I can, I can comfortably put you on my bookshelf, and then if I'm having a conversation with somebody, and I'm like, well, I think you'd enjoy this one. I can. If it's one that I'm never going to read again, Gifted. I could pull it off and be like, here, I'll save you $20. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, like whenever um, I was in middle school and high school too, they had like the AR points. You had to read so many books to score points. And mine was like the standard was like, oh, you got to get 20, 30 points. Or when you get like in a higher grade, maybe 40 points. Mine was always like 90 something points because I read so many. Yeah, our thing was you had to pass <laughs> the AR standard and then you started earning pizza points. So I would crush the pizza points because I wanted to go to the pizza party. But I was always like the most well-read guy in the pizza party and I just wanted to talk about the pizza party books that I'd read. Aww. It's like, well, we're all here because we're all nerds. There's like 10 of us, and uh, the, everybody else had better shit to do at the age of 10. <laughs> <laughs> I think we, like, I know there was some kind of reward. Like, I think you got, like, a pizza party or some kind of reward or something, and, like, we had to do the tests, too, yeah. and, like, were yours, like, categorized by the reading level? Like, if it was a higher reading level, it was worth more points? Yeah. So, yeah, like, ours was that way. Like, if... You were in fourth grade reading a sixth grade book. It was worth more points, so you got yeah. more points. It's like but... a constantly in the sixth grade reading, like, Mark Twain. <laughs> like, trying to get those, like, hardcore points where mm-hmm. like, I could read one really complex book and then try to pass the test, but then I wouldn't understand the words and the question because mm-hmm. I wasn't supposed to be reading something at mm-hmm. that reading level. 
It's like I understood the book. I knew what the book meant, but that's just because I had a dictionary. You guys won't let me sit here with a dictionary with my dad. And... Aww. Oh, middle school. No, it, it's important, you know. I don't think I'm telling the listener. I forgot you guys were there for a second. My apologies. Um, you know, it's nothing new, but it's very important, I think, for kids to read and uh, for everybody, you know, to read. You're sitting there and you're watching Game of Thrones. You know, <laughs> you're burning through like 12 hours of your life. Like, that's great, and there are things to be learned from that for sure. Well, supposedly the books are pretty good too. I haven't read them. I'd, I'd rather read the book, you know? Like, there's a silence and a meditation that comes to reading. There's like that oh shit moment where like you realize that you've scanned the page but you don't know what the fuck they're talking about. Like it forces you to just sit there. You can't check your phone and read a book at the same time. <laughs> I think the problem is too that especially since like technology has gotten so advanced is like you don't really realize it's like legitimately a skill set. Like I know like you know, some people are literally illiterate, so obviously yeah. being able to read is a skill set. But, like, being able to sit down and focus and read. Because, like, I used to, like I said, when I was in middle school and high school, like, you know, everybody else would have to, like, be required to read significantly less books than me. Because when I started reading more and I'd do extra tests than I was required because I was that nerdy kid in school. Um, they started forcing me to read more. They'd give me, like, higher points that I had to score to meet my minimum. Yeah. So, um, I read constantly like I always had a book from the library and like I really enjoyed reading was like really comfortable with reading and like now like we were talking about on I think our last episode like I have one tiny little box of books and Brad has like three giant boxes of books and like all of my books are like educational books I don't have any books that are just for fun and I find myself when I'm like going to sit down to read now because I'm so used to like skimming articles on my phone or on the computer yeah. or whatever like very Especially short BuzzFeed type yeah like shit, very but... short time span things yeah, that you can just, just kind sugar. of yeah <laughs> like skim through for like the main point and then go on like I find myself when I go to sit down to read a book for real like becoming very distracted mm -hmm. like naturally like I'm like oh like I should check my phone or I should go do this or I should go do that and I'm like or I should just keep reading the thing I sat down to read. Yeah. <laughs> so well, it's like, it's a skill you kind of have to train yourself to like focus for a set amount of time. Yeah. It teaches you memory because you're stuck with these characters. So you have to remember what's happened. You can't, mm -hmm. you know, rewind. You can like skim through and be like look at scenes and stuff, but you can't rewind, catch up, and then you, you don't get a 30 second trailer Recap every, every time, time you pick up the book. Um, it helps with that. I think it helps with your vocabulary. And when you oh, read sure. the more complex ones, uh, I mean, there are books that are just pure sugar that you're not going to get anything out of. But when you read the, the better books, uh, they're open-ended. So it's not like a film, necessarily, where it's closed caption, you understand everything. If you went back into a great book, you'd find things you missed the first time around. Yeah. It happens with me and Cormac McCarthy. Like, <laughs> we rewatched for maybe the 10th time in the past year and a half, uh, No Country the other night. I've read that a few times. And I always find something new. 
Mm-hmm. What is this theme that I ignored because I was a little bit younger? What is this character supposed to be? Why is this scene necessary? I think outside of just your focus and like your academia too, like it naturally promotes like an exploration of like your imagination because like with a movie you're seeing what's happening. Like yeah. I don't need to sit here and imagine in my mind what these people look like or what, what the town looks like. like. Yeah, what they sound like and. Yeah, when you're reading a book, you kind of instinctually on your own, like, develop your own image of what the person looks like and how their voice sounds. And, like, I used to, uh, I have, like, a problem with if I'm reading, um, unless I'm really focusing, like, I forget what I just read unless I read it out loud, like, for whatever reason, I've been that way my I whole life. Sometimes, so, like my focus. My book's for fun. Like, just my, <laughs> like, my, like, I'm sitting down to read this for pleasure books, I would, like, read out loud to myself, and my mom used to make fun of me, because I would do voices for the characters, <laughs> like, when a certain character would come on, I'd be like, well, this is how they sound, so I'm gonna talk this way when they're talking. But, yeah, like, you kind of on your own develop, like, this is what they look like, this is what they sound like, this is what the town looks like. This is what their childhood was, even if it wasn't told to you. Like, in a great book, like, you know that character. So it inspires, like, creativity, Mm -hmm. like, kind of naturally on its own, which is, I feel like, one of the only art forms that does. Because, like, with, like, painting and stuff like that, you're still visually creating it, you know? And then films, you can see it. Yeah, I mean, people that, like, truly appreciate a painting, like, spend time with it. Like, I've been to a lot of museums. And when you go to a museum, I'm, I'm the guy I can look at it for, like, 30 seconds. And then I'm like, well, that's all I'm going to get out of this. Like, I'm, I want to look at it long enough to where I can pick out two or three different things and, like, have it stick with me. And then I'm like, moving on to the next painting. Mm-hmm. When you go to a lot of museums, you'll find people who will stand there, arms behind their back, for, like, five minutes. Studying the meaning. Yeah. And they're just like, well, look at that one individual stroke. And it's like, like that is a, a beauty in and of itself. Mm-hmm. But there's not as many of them as there are book people as there are film people you know so i think everything has that level of appreciation to it for oh sure. for sure like I, I do think art period is like to some extent or well done art like you leave some level of interpretation to the audience so every person connects with it in their own unique way but it's like books aren't a visual format it's just words on a page like i feel like it forces you to like creatively engage on your own like you have to invest yourself yeah Yeah. for sure Uh, that's why i get frustrated when i read bad shit which dear audience i read a lot of so far this week you remember uh i'm gonna completely side skirt the topic because i feel like we got really emotional and then really down so i'm gonna again put us back on the <laughs> the, the shows <laughs> that we still from last episode haven't touched on <laughs> <laughs> um reading bad writing i read a lot of bad writing this week you know who's bad writing i read Kristen. who's bad writing did you read my own <laughs> yeah. i set a goal for 15 pages for the entire week i have Done notes on over 50 pages. You're at this point over halfway done with it, right? Three quarters of the way through. Because I had a little bit of a stack before, and then I've just been, like, I hit 35 pages the other day, and then, like, 15 a day pretty consecutively. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, I set out for 15 out of the week on the last episode, so I'm reaching the point where I'm about to hit my climax point and then the, the drawdown. And uh, just for clarification, I think the little story that I edited for $150 was better than the one that I wrote. Oh, like, that's not <laughs> true. Come on. You've had, like, moments you were really proud of it yeah, while you've been working on I've it. You did X out a whole paragraph today, I've, I've, though. I've killed three or four <laughs> chapters. I've been like, this is all horseshit, but I like the theme. So I like, go back with, like, what you were trying to do here. And, um, like, there was no formatting so like it, it, it was a hardcore rough draft mm-hmm. uh, but I'm, I'm proud of the scares like it the scares the were first book you ever wrote yeah the scares were there uh, my main character is fleshed out over fleshed way too much backstory that's why I've been just killing chapters left and right I was like we don't give a shit this does not <laughs> pertain to what we're talking about I don't care uh, it was like earlier where I was like I've got this brilliant scare scene that's going on and it's unraveling and then I just started like delivering medical advice like, that, like sidetracked yeah, from it <laughs> like I researched something and I was like that detail belongs here and that detail did not belong there at all that was the only thing that needed to happen um, but no I've got a, a, a solid stack I've got um, to the point where the stack of papers that I have left to edit is smaller than the little portfolio that you bought me. So we're doing good. I've got almost no cushioning for my and the, laptop. the stack of papers that you have already edited is pushing the limits of the paperclip. <laughs> <laughs> the paperclip is dying. Hanging on for death. dear life. <laughs> but now I've been slamming the shit out of that. We went to our fancy diner today. I hit my, <laughs> my daily record while we were sitting there. And I was like, I've done all my edits. Good to go. <laughs> hanging them out this week you are killing it i'm proud of you i'm very proud of it sorry I'm very for excited to read it just made me think about that no <laughs> you're gonna read it but you're not gonna read it anywhere close to the state that it's currently <laughs> in because it is a mess <laughs> i'm gonna keep all of the backstory um in my head <laughs> figure out when it's appropriate uh, at one point in this copy, I went on for four chapters where I've left my main character in a room, went into a flashback, wrote four chapters of backstory, and then came back into the room. That is a lot of backstory. And, and only like one and a half of those chapters was pertinent information that I needed to put in the story. Like, you were a lot younger when you wrote it, though, and a little bit, you yeah. know a lot more. Yeah, no. So. It, it, it's good, but, you know, as I said before, like, it, it helping, um, and I got hired again by the same author Yay. to go through the rewrite, so my girl is out there doing a rewrite, and I'm proud of her as well. Um, having read that gave me the courage to go through this, and I don't take it as seriously. It's not like, this needs to be perfect. It's like the, uh, which is something I've always known, but... It, you had to put in practice. It's like it's not supposed to be perfect. Yeah, it was first your, time. Yeah, I've idolized draft. this book so high in my head. And then, like, reading somebody else's draft, I was like, no, I can I can go through the rough. I don't need to, like, visualize it as this thing that it isn't yet. Is that... Do you think that's why you put it off for so long? And did, Were you worried you were going to be disappointed in it when you went back to it? Yeah, I was terrified. Because... I, I am a lot better now than I was then. 
but I had moments. There's a reason why I was able to go through that many pages that quick. Mm-hmm. The story is decent. Uh, the writing has its moments. You can tell where I started writing and then warmed up, and then halfway through the chapter, I, you know, kind of caught my sprint and finished it. But like almost everything else could be deleted or um, where I just hit the buttons to keep you know the buttons getting hit <laughs> and it gets very clinky and so it's just ironing out those there's a lot that needs to get expanded upon um, my descriptions are a lot tighter now so I can take a lot of what I was trying to say and actually say it now I mm-hmm. feel confident that I can do that well you've studied a lot of different types of writing since you wrote that like you've done yeah, and I probably read one of those books between the time <laughs> or one of those boxes uh, between the time that I wrote that yeah now, I mean you've, so. you've worked on screenplays novellas flash fictions like that's a novel like you've done a lot of different types of yeah. work since then so it's definitely going to influence the Made way not a lot of money <laughs> <laughs> talking about that I saw a uh, an email before we started the show and it said uh, it said she paid you 350 and I was like I made 350 and Kristen looked at me and she goes like 350 like three dollars and fifty cents or like 350 and I was like oh three dollars and fifty cents <laughs> I was like I would be shitting my pants if she paid me three hundred and fifty dollars because she would have doubled my net worth <laughs> I've never made any money for any of my own work I've like worked for other people and gotten paid but I've never made any money for my own work so well, I mean, it's a bastard you're, and a half. You're but. doing pretty solid. You have sold hundreds of copies of the first book you ever published. Yeah. So it's not a thing to be ashamed of. No. Self-published that shit. Hardly promoted that motherfucker. <laughs> I don't even have uh, the ads turned on on YouTube for the dolls, so I am making no money off of you people. <laughs> but you so can go all the more reason that, to go watch it. Yeah, go flood it's that page and make the advertisers reach out. <laughs> Ooh, and we're uh, not making any money on this podcast right now either, but we're at just shy of 850 as of this morning. So Did only we pick up any new countries? I don't... Not yet. Well, hello to the Canadians and the <laughs> Netherlands. The Belgians, the Hawaiians, all you people that The Hawaiians are American people. Oh, Can't launch them in with the Belgian They're people. a recent pickup. <laughs> but yeah, we're only like 150-ish away by the time this episode airs. I'm hoping to be less than 100 away, so help us get there. We get 1,000. We get to watch Zombievers, and your two-star Tuesday will be a Zombievers, and you'll be like, holy fuck, and I'll be like, holy fuck, and it'll be <laughs> fan-fucking-tastic. How much time do we have left? Do we have... I mean, we got no set time limit. We can do this shit all oh, night. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, how much time are we at? Sorry. It's the upside to doing what you love for a living. You don't ever want to clock out. <laughs> we are at 50 minutes. 50 minutes. Do you want to dive into cult classics or shall we save that we again? We can attempt it. I don't really know where we're going to go on that ride. So Kristen, take the wheel. Ooh. Like Jesus. Um. So we have... <laughs> I'm not going on a cross for you, sorry. <laughs> I cannot come back and three days. and take the wheel. <laughs> uh, we have recently watched the TV show Ash vs. the Evil Dead. Yeah. I have 
never seen any of them. I haven't seen the original movie. I nothing. I dropped Kristen into the <laughs> world of the Evil Dead. At its potentially most ridiculous. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I I was semi familiar ish with the concept. Like I've heard of it before. It's just never been a thing I've watched. I knew it was essentially yeah, a cult classic. Like it's very loved amongst a certain group of people. And um, the TV show is. Oh boy. Hilarious. Oh boy. Um, above and beyond <laughs> on how ridiculous it is. Like nobody <laughs> bleeds that much. There's not that much blood yeah, in they, anything. Every head they chop off, you can tell there's a hose just shooting <laughs> blood out of the neck of this like little stunt corpse that they have. It's, oh my god. And, it, it's and then potentially it's potentially my favorite kind of horror because it's so goddamn insane. <laughs> then it'll cut to like a shot of like whoever the main characters are that are present in the scene just being drowned in blood. They're just like, oh, like as a <laughs> They don't get them. out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> it's so, so silly. I think we've only watched like two or three episodes of it in the last one that we watched the dude had gotten like pierced through the face with glass and like at the end of that episode he hops up to attack the cop lady and I whew, it's a hell of an interesting TV show but because um, our goal is to revisit Zombievers which is equally ridiculous if we're being honest yeah, it's a very uh, silly film a lady gets her beaver eaten by a beaver <laughs> Like, it um, kind of brought up the conversation, like, how, like, where is the line between films that purposely push, like, into the ridiculous realm that are successful at it and films that just crash and burn? Because mm-hmm. we spent a lot of time watching two-star films that attempted to make films that, let's be honest, are usually kind of ridiculous. And <laughs> it, according to the critics, they crash and burn. And I think the difference is those films try really hard to be serious and like, you know, we're going to like nail this stunt or nail this scene or whatever. And like Stitches is by no means a good film, but it was fun. I loved Stitches. <laughs> it was fun. It was not Stitches a good film. Stitches was fucking brilliant. <laughs> if you want to hear this debate, go back and listen to our Stitches uh, episode. No, it was, I think it was awesome. It was not a good film, but it was it was a fun film to watch. And that's kind of how... Ash versus the Evil Dead. I haven't watched the original, so I don't have like a, a basis for those. But that's kind of how the TV show feels for me. Like it's silly, but it's fun because you can tell that the people that are making this are having fun too. And like I feel like for me anyway, like that's the difference in shitty low budget films face planning or succeeding. Like if you have a weird original kind of out there concept and you push the limits a little bit because you're trying to have fun with it like the people watching it can usually tell no if you're gonna lean into something like that you have to lean in hard you have to like look over the camera like ash does in the evil bit like you have to almost like look over your shoulder wink at the camera be like we're all in on this we know exactly what the fuck's going on and then like stick your chainsaw arm into an old lady on the side of the road and just be like that is fucking insane (laughs) you can't make ash versus the evil dead in the same way that you make seven 
right? Oh, if you can't, no. like, have Brad Pitt walking down the road and then just have chainsaw arm fucking killing grandma like, in the <laughs> rain. Like, it has to be bright and technicolor and over the top and the jokes all have to be, like, sexual innuendos. Like, every ten seconds where he's like, I'm gonna fist fuck your grandma. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and like it's funny because like as an audience member I feel like anyway you may disagree with me as an audience member like Ash as an older guy is not cool he's not someone you look up to like, hilarious because have you ever been to Florida like he's yeah. every dude you meet in Clearwater like he's 100% like, that guy he's <laughs> out of shape he's older he's dorky he's like, insane there's, there's, he's just smoking yeah. weed and fucking prostitutes there's nothing about him that's remotely charming but all of the characters he meets are like so enamored with him they're like oh Ash <laughs> so Oh my god, and like the, what is the guy that he works with, what's his name, do you remember? The little Mexican guy? Yeah, I don't remember what his name is, like thinks he's the coolest dude ever, he's like, yeah, we got these co-workers that'll cover for you so you can just nap in the back room or, you know, not show up to work at all, like they're so enamored with this like, over-the-top silly character, it's so... Insane amputee, Oh, it's the weirdest thing. No, those cult classics are fun. You know, like we were talking, we, we read that BBC article, I don't want to dive yeah, into, because I read it two and a half weeks ago, but um, we were talking the other day about Fight Club, and uh, there's like the Rocky Horror Picture Show, and uh, Al Pacino's Dog Day Afternoon, like, those cult movies are fucking... Or Heathers, like we recently he- watched Heathers, Heathers was brilliant mm-hmm. i don't know why i threw the dog day in the middle of this dog day is not a funny movie it's super <laughs> goddamn serious it has funny moments but heathers but is a little over the top too. heathers is way over the top <laughs> like buried your friends and now you're playing croquet with their heads yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um no it's it, it, there's a line i don't know where the fuck the line is because like you've got uh rob zombie and he's making three from hell um, he's already created two brilliant horror cult classics. Nobody ever sits around and goes, listen to me, Rob Zombie is the next goddamn Ford Coppola. <laughs> Nobody has ever said that in the history of music or film. Nobody's ever looked at Rob Zombie and gone, you're the he's next Beethoven. <laughs> you're like, that's the dude that I want to listen to when I'm drinking beer and, you know, like trying to see titties in a mosh pit. <laughs> <laughs> so you got House of a Thousand Corpses which is a, a smaller cult following because it's such a strange movie The Devil's Rejects which is almost like a accepted um, mass media cult following where it's like everybody likes The Devil's Rejects there's just people who tell you they don't like The Devil's Rejects <laughs> that are lying to you because they're Christian and then, like, now he's got Three from Hell. And I'll be damned if I don't see Three from Hell a little drunk in a movie theater. <laughs> when does that come out? Do you remember? Very soon. Yeah, I was like, uh, I know it's coming he's out. He's dropping trailers, so it'll be out fast. I need to look up the date. I think it comes out maybe, like, in the next month or two. Um, but if he does not body Three from Hell... Then we found the line in this conversation as far as cult classics go. Because you can't, like, 
everybody loves the Firefly family. You've created a Manson-esque bad guy family and made us love them and hate the police officer. Mm -hmm. But you killed the first two movies. Honestly, personal perspective, walk away after The Devil's Rejects. It's interesting because it's been some time since They got all shot to shit. Well, it's been... Like, when did that come out? Like, it was a while ago, oh, right? Oh, it's, it's been years. at least 10 years. Yeah, so it is yeah. interesting to revisit it now. Like, I, which, I mean, I guess the storyline kind of works because they've been in jail, I mean, right? He, so he, he shot them all definitely to death at the end of The Devil's Rejects. But the, the concept is though. that they've somehow miraculously survived s- surgery. Uh, so you need to... You've seen... I mean, but, like, in real life, they're... I mean, it's... A movie. He's like you've bending seen the reality. Bird ending. Yeah, like they are definitely dead. Like he, I think, I think they all have holes in their face. <laughs> it's a movie, so he's bending reality to kind of fit his will. But that's true. People have shot themselves in the head mm-hmm. and survived. And there's like that. Well, I'm sure there are more than one stories, but I've like watched TV shows before of like, oh, like, you know what happened like they should have died and they lived and dude falls from like 20 stories and like hits the ground and somehow survives but all survives. three of them yeah it's amazing. I mean if they're possessed by the devil and that's the whole point like it, it, he's fucked up going too hard before like 31 is a cult classic but 31 is borderline is that the one with the, the little f- midget the, Hitler the, the midget Hitler yeah. Yeah. that one is weird <laughs> The yeah, Mexican you made, midget. You made Hitler. me watch that one. That one is weird. <laughs> he's not even Aryan. He's like Hispanic. Yeah. He's just fucking everybody up with his like Hitler armband. Um, uh, the Salem book was fucking weird, and the movie was fucking weird. Uh, he's he, he's he's done some crazy cult shit. <laughs> but if he fucks up three from hell. You're going to go beat down his door. write him an aggressive email. Write him an aggressive email. <laughs> <laughs> like, dear sir, I request that you, you pull that from anybody ever seeing that ever again. Canceling that movie. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm going to go in there, I'm going to watch it, and I'm going to probably make you watch House of a Thousand Corpses and then Devil's Rejects for the fucking sixth time. I don't think time. we've watched uh, Devil's Rejects, actually. We've watched... Wait, is Devil's Rejects the one you like better? Yeah. Okay, so we've watched Devil's Rejects. I don't think we've watched House of a Thousand Corpses yet. That's the one where Dwight gets turned into a mermaid. Yeah, like yeah. you've showed me like little YouTube videos, but I don't think we've ever actually sat down and watched it. Yeah, you've seen like the intro and then Dwight getting turned into a mermaid, and that's about it. Yeah, Because that's where they come in, they try, to, they try to rob Captain Spaulding. He's like, fuck your daddy! Fuck your mama! I've seen that intro a and bunch of times. And he pulls out the gun, <laughs> Every literally every time, fuck you too. (laughs) Literally every time Rob Zombie gets brought up, I think I've watched that intro. We've watched it a few times, but it it is. I I think it's different for everybody. Like audience members, know how wild it is that you're thirty and you're still having to use the sentence every time Rob Zombie gets brought up. It's just because you're dating me. (laughs) (laughs) He gets brought up frequently. It's like. Eminem, Rob Zombie, Marilyn uh, Manson. Manson. Yeah, we cycle through a couple. <laughs> we go through little phases of this is what we're doing. I'm this still week. 15. Yeah. <laughs> but 
Like, I, I do think that's fascinating because, like, you can never really predict how an audience is going to take, like, a certain work of art and, like, culturally, like, you have to take that stuff, which is what that BBC article was about, into context, like, culturally, how is this going to be perceived and, like, where are we at mindset-wise as a society, so, like, trying to find where that line is if I've pushed it just far enough to not tip over the edge where I've lost everybody. And there was, like, a TV show. Um, it was, like, the early 2000s, I think, mm-hmm. um, called Film Fakers, which I've never found anybody that knows what I'm talking about when I brought this show up. I've never up. seen it. You keep telling me about yeah, it. I think like, you made it up. No, I, I IMDb'd it. I told you <laughs> what year it came out, which if you want to know what year it came out, you can IMDb it. It was early 2000s. It's so. like six episodes. Yeah, there was literally only six episodes. I have no idea why it got canceled. I'm assuming they probably got sued. But um, every time I've ever brought this show up, nobody ever knows what I'm talking about. And I loved it. I like was so fascinated by it. The whole premise of the show was there's quote unquote. It's like me and pervert. Where I tried to explain <laughs> a little claymation dick. Yeah. And I'm like, how did nobody else watch this? <laughs> yeah, I had, I had never heard of it until you brought it up. So touche. Um, but the premise of it is there's this quote-unquote film being made, and um, it's a TV show that's making a fake film. Everybody is in on the gag except for the actors. So there's a production crew that's hired, like a director, a scriptwriter, all this bullshit, and they have this fake script. They're making this fake movie, and the actors think they've been hired on to work on a real film, and it's purposely at every stage like getting more and more and more ridiculous so it's like the concept of like putting a frog in boiling water and it jumps out versus you know putting a frog in like water and cranking up the heat slowly like how long can i fuck with you until you bill so like it's i remember there was like this one like swamp thing-esque type film that they made because every uh, episode was a different movie and different actors and different people they were fucking with there was like this Swamp Thing-esque episode one time and it was like stupid, stupid script, like stupid, unrealistic looking monsters. And it was like, how long can we like push you and make this more ridiculous until the actor's like, what the fuck is going on? Like I quit, I'm done. So How did they freak out? Do you remember like one know, in particular no. where he was like, okay, I well just... I put up with <laughs> whatever the fuck you just made me shoot and then I'm not doing that. I just remember I there... above that as a person. Like, <laughs> I just remember there being, like, some episodes where the person, like, freaked out fairly early and where it was like, I'm not doing that. This is stupid. Calling my agent or whatever. And then there were some episodes where it was like, well, we thought we would have lost them at this point. So, like, we got to, like, crank this up a notch and, like, see if we can, like, really mess with them. So they probably, like I said, got sued. And maybe that's why it ended. But I'm just trying to imagine <laughs> a world where I don't just read the script and then, like... Go, no. <laughs> say no. Like, I'm not going to be on the set. Well, you right. know, you've, and then say you've met, no. You've met actors, you know? <laughs> oh, they were playing a prank on the actors? Well, that's... The actors thought they were... Oh, I thought it was the filmmakers. No, the actors were the only people involved who didn't know that this wasn't a real movie. Well, that makes sense. I like, thought it was, like, the director was being asked to make a shot. No, every, like, everybody except for the actors knew that this was a TV show about a fake movie. Oh, that you they could were do making. that to actors all day. Yeah, and so it was, like, how... I basically forced our last <laughs> actor to smoke half a pack of cigarettes in an hour and a half so that we could get a shot of him putting out a cigarette. 
he didn't smoke and it was evident that he didn't <laughs> smoke. And so I may have addicted him to marble reds. <laughs> but yeah, like that, I, I wish they would bring that show back. I love that concept of like, how far can you push it until people aren't willing to keep, <coughs> keep going with you anymore? Yeah, no, I think they definitely got sued. <laughs> I would imagine. Because, yeah, six episodes isn't even a full season, so something yeah. had to have happened. I tried to Google it, and I couldn't find a justification for why the show stopped airing. Maybe they just didn't have good ratings because nobody except me has ever heard of this show. <laughs> if you have heard of this show, reach out to me because I need somebody else in the universe to share my mutual love of a <laughs> shitty early 2000s TV show. We need to look it up on YouTube and watch this shit oh, one that's night. That's a good idea. Yeah. We should see if we can find it. Not necessarily tonight. But, I'm going to look it up on Amazon yeah. and see if I can buy it. <laughs> we're, gonna, we're just going to own Buy filmmakers. the box set. <laughs> All six episodes. So just one DVD. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I loved it, though. I don't even remember what network it aired on, but it was my favorite thing ever. This is like the, the nostalgia episode. <laughs> Mistakes from Ooh, While we're on nostalgia, uh, and we've been talking about horror and stuff, did you ever watch uh, Tells from the Crypt? Oh, don't even get me started. Or, are you afraid of the dark? Crypt. Tell us or, from the are, crypt. Are you better. afraid of the dark? Is hands down my favorite thing that I remember from really? my childhood. Tell us from the crypt is mine, and I think it's because I don't like the crypt keeper. Really, I yeah. liked him. No, he, he he freaked me out, but he didn't freak me out enough. Like, mm-hmm. are you afraid of the dark? Like the narrator scared the shit out of me. And uh, the Crypt Keeper was always like, well, look at this goofy little motherfucker. Like, like Leprechaun, mm-hmm. speaking of cult classics. Yeah, like, for sure. Leprechaun's one where I'm like, ah, mm. I don't really give you a You don't want to go back to the hood? I don't want to go back to the hood. <laughs> I don't want to go to space. I don't want to go to the gynecologist or wherever the fuck the leprechaun's going. I don't, I don't give a fuck. No, are you like afraid that. of the dark? was super good. I really enjoyed it. But I, I think I have this weird nostalgia because I remember... Being youngish, um, watching Tales from the Crypt, and it would come on past my bedtime for sure. Like, I don't remember how late it came on, but it was past my bedtime at that age, and I would have to beg my mom to let me to stay up and watch it. And, like, sometimes she'd let me, sometimes she wouldn't. So, like, on the nights that I got to stay up and watch it, I was like, oh my god, Tales from the Crypt. (laughs) I get to watch it tonight. I remember uh, being a kid in a trailer in Tampa, Florida my biological grandmother's house and saving private Ryan had just come out and we all thought it was going to be a wholesome family (laughs) film about saving this private and it was not that and I, I vividly remember my mother I was sitting on the floor like kind of in between my mom's shins and she was sitting in a either on the couch or on mm-hmm. the recliner but that first like 30 minutes so it's just the D-Day invasion she put her hand over my eyes <laughs> did you like, say she did that for Titanic when they showed the boobs yeah, too <laughs> they showed no the boobs, boobs for you so like the whole time I'm sitting on the floor I just hear <laughs> my mom used to do that too I can't remember any specific film but good I luck parents that are out there today I don't know how the fuck you save your kids from seeing some violent <laughs> or oversexed thing like uh, I don't remember any specific film but my mom used to do that a lot when we were kids too she would make us cover our eyes if any kind of like sexual yeah mom thing. was like cover your own eyes but there's boobs on the screen and I'd be like boom <laughs> <laughs> 
I don't think my mom ever did it for. I don't think my mom ever did it for like violent stuff, but like she always did it for sexual stuff. So if like anybody showed any body part, she'd either make us like physically turn around or cover our eyes. And then if it was a sex scene and like she'd be kind of like wait till you know something happened and then you'd start hearing the moaning kicking and she'd be like, cover your ears. <laughs> so I'd just be sitting there like, okay, mom. I'd get sent off to the kitchen a lot to get water. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, are watching a movie and my mom would be like, why don't you uh, go start the tea? And I'd be like, I guess I'll go start the tea. You know? <laughs> just listening to, just, uh, yeah, from the other room. jerking off in the kitchen. That <laughs> 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 was like back before Netflix was a thing though. So like a movie would just come yeah, on you TV. Had to go and to Blockbuster you'd... Well, to no. watch softcore pornography. Well, no, I mean, like, even just like TV, it'd be like, oh, this is the movie that's coming on tonight. And then your parents would be like, oh, God, I didn't know this is what yeah. this movie was about. <laughs> it's like HBO. Like, you get your, like, one week for free out of the month, and then you had to pay for the rest of the month. Uh, if you're, <sighs> no, I feel like it's actually probably better for parents these days if you're screwing up. And I think clicking. they're fucked because no. if you don't set the child settings on your goddamn TV, that's like, true. You just have all of Netflix or YouTube. Like, yeah, there's like documentaries about like sex cam workers and like Vietnam. Like, <laughs> you lose a kid in front of a goddamn iPad. But you can't right hide there. that either, though, because it shows your recent history. Yeah, so, like your parents like, gonna if, know what's up. If I wanted to watch a sketchy ass film. I had to put a DVD in a DVD player and you'd hit pause and you'd have five seconds before that remote hit that DVD player. So it's like, I'm not just gonna, you know, whack one out. (laughs) (laughs) All right, I'm getting off here. I'm done. I'm done. We've we've reached the the road of no redemption. I'm a little drunk and... uh, I haven't showered yet. I need Kristen to shower. Kristen hasn't showered. We're having motherfucking steak and We're shrimp. We're having motherfucking steak and shrimp, son. Scrooops! Come at me, New Orleans. Forever date night. If you're not uh, cooking with your significant other, you're doing life Yeah, wrong. we read some bullshit story today about some dude who's like, yeah, I get off work three hours before my wife, and then I eat leftovers, and then when she gets in, I reheat those leftovers, and in the meantime, I'm just watching Stranger Things. And it's like, bro... Cook for your bitch. <laughs> no bitches love, bitches love when you cook for. Bitches love fresh food and nice music. Put on some Tony Bennett. Cook her steak and shrimp. You got enough time. It takes twenty minutes. <laughs> she gets in from a long day at work. She really just wants to relax. Pour her a glass of wine. It's eight bucks for a bottle. It is. Uh, Throw some steak on. It's eight bucks for two of them. If you know where to shop, throw some shrimp on. That's three bucks. You can blow your girl's mind for less than $25. Any restaurant experience that you could ever offer that woman comes at a lower price if you can just stand in the kitchen for 20 minutes and go to fucking work. Well, two, to simper, temporarily, temporarily, temporarily <laughs> sidetrack, I'm a little buzzed too, from uh, our 
hopping off this podcast and to make Brett uncomfortable and have a temporary mush. Don't um, mush. No, I'm gonna. Don't mush. I'm gonna. Don't you mush. <laughs> I have to yell in the corner, so I yell. In Let the me have my moment. Um, no, I've always, my whole life, for the most part, eaten dinner like alone in my room or like on the couch watching TV or whatever. Um, my parents worked a lot, so uh, mine too. It wasn't like they were just like, no family dinner for you. They worked a lot. We didn't really sit around the table and eat family dinner. Um, and I have a weird aversion to eating dinner at the table. Like if I go to a restaurant, like I want to sit at a booth because tables make me uncomfortable because I'm like not used to. Like sitting at the bar. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> you hung out at a bar as a baby. <laughs> I'm a bar baby. Cheers. <laughs> but yeah, like... Having dinner at a table has my whole life always made me uncomfortable, and um, like that does sound like a, a weird, insignificant thing, but Brett could have dinner hours before I get home, and I could just heat up leftovers and eat on the couch while he watches TV, and um, we eat dinner almost every night at the table. Every once in a while, if we've had a stressful day, well, we'll we always sit. eat together. Yeah, no, we always eat together. But every once in a while, if we've had a stressful night, we'll wind down on the couch together and watch something. And it's weirdly made me... Well, not it's not weird. I guess that's normal because it's reinvented dinner for me. Like, it's made me excited to come home and have dinner and sit at the table and talk about our day and yeah. listen to music and all that. Throw so, music on or a podcast. Sometimes we don't, you know listen to it sometimes we don't talk to each other and we just eat you know but yeah it it may seem insignificant but it's made a massive difference for me so cook dinner and have dinner together cook <laughs> together if you can cook together it's the most fun i might actually because it is so early and the sun is still out i might wait for you to get out of the shower i mean i just i mean i wouldn't even it's, be off work normally right now yeah. so i might wait for you to get out of the shower so we can cook together as a matter of fact, that's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to season the steaks, let them marinate marinate in the seasonings for about 20 minutes, and we'll cook dinner together, and we'll dance in the kitchen. We'll have a damn good time. Sorry you guys can't be here for that. Sorry, not sorry, because it's my date night. But if you want to write in about how jealous you are, you could shoot us an email. Or write in about how you romance up your evening. Tell us. If you got special tricks, if you fucking click the game where you're like, dude, you can blow her fucking mind for less than $20. Like, here's, here's what you gotta do. At uh, nightmareboxproductions at gmail.com. Or if you want to tell us more about your favorite cult classic, you can hit us up on Twitter at... At nightmareboxpro. Or if you want to tell us about the time that your uncle diddled you at two years old and you want to take pictures of the tattoo you took to get over it you can go over to Instagram oh boy at Nightmare Box Productions <laughs> sorry about that one and uh, Facebook uh, that would be facebook.com slash Nightmare Box Productions and once again I think we brought that up before if you're not tech savvy there is now a youtube and an instagram link on our facebook so if you're on an actual computer you can hop on over to that and check hibbity, out our videos hop to kristen pennington at youtube.com slash kristen pennington god damn it youtube.com slash krenny <laughs> <laughs> <Kritty. laughs>
<laughs> All right, I love you. Website. We already did that. No, we didn't. Nightmarebox.blog. Buy the book. Watch the movie. The Batman Diaries. Read the short stories because... For all you know, those could be on there for a limited time as well. They, so. they, everything's a limited time. It's a limited time with me. It's a limited time with you. It's a limited time with dinner and showers and podcasts and pain and we're happiness. All just and sentient it's, dust it's in all the just wind. temporary and we're all just sentient dust in the wind. And I love you fuckers and I love you, sweetheart. I love you more. We'll talk to you guys in a couple of